Welcome to Phone Messages, Episode 169, The Wedding. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play the first message from my dad. Although he suffered a stroke a couple years back, his speech is still very clear. And yet, as we will hear in the interview to follow... It's not what it was 32 years ago. The message comes from the spring of 1990 and is 16 seconds long. Here we go. Paul, this is your dad. Where are you? We're just checking to see what time you're coming up for the wedding. We'll talk to you later. You remember our number at 612-646-6216. came through strong and uh, that's the way my voice used to be. It was a lot clearer than it is today but uh, it sounded very business-like. It didn't sound like a father talking to a son. It's more like a lawyer talking to a client. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the wedding was. Most likely I think it, it would be Jennifer I remember the reception being at the Minnesota Club. Do you remember that? Yes, I think that's correct. Do you remember when you joined the Minnesota Club approximately? It was probably in the late 80s. The St. Paul Athletic Club had closed, so I went to join another business club. Was the St. Paul Athletic Club the first business club you joined when yes, you moved to Minnesota? I, that when I came to start practicing law in 1964, I think it was 65 that I joined the athletic club. I was encouraged to do that by the uh, senior partners of the law firm. That's when the St. Paul Athletic Club was maybe 3,000 members. But what happened there was the United States government had eliminated the deduction for client entertainment for uh, business people. And, uh, and that also was a big drawback because to uh, get a business deduction for, uh, for instance, a law firm or any other business was a good incentive. In other words, they could deduct if you hosted somebody for lunch. Yeah, that's correct. Was there anything else besides meals that were deductible there? Meals and drinks. And at that time, uh, there was a joke about a two martini lunches and our two drink lunches and so forth and frankly most of their income came from alcohol drinks <laughs> and uh, that was a big uh, incentive I guess you might say you know they, the other thing that club had was four levels of sleeping rooms and I kind of like a hotel. Anyway, when <laughs> this kind of funny situation was, I had a client 
who uh, like to drink maybe too much. I was working late in my office, and he had called in, and he said, I need some help. I said, why, why do you need help? Well, my wife just threw me out of my house. <laughs> I said, well, where are you? He said, well, over here at the athletic club. And he said, can you help me? And I said, well, what can I do for you? Why don't you come over here? So I, I went over there, and of course he was three sheets to the wind. And I, so I talked to him a little bit, and I said, I, I think he just needs to sleep a little bit. Maybe that would be better. Well, I don't know. I don't have any home anymore. I said, well, maybe tomorrow morning when things kind of calm down a little. So anyway, he said, well, then what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, well, you'd asked me to come over, but you seem to be fine now. <laughs> so anyway. The first thing to clarify is that the wedding my father referred to was my stepsister Jennifer's from May 5th of 1990. The reception was held at the Minnesota Club, located just southwest of Rice Park in an Edwardian building designed by Clarence Johnston and completed in 1915 although the club dates back to 1869. Often described as a gentleman's club, the Minnesota Club did not welcome its first female member until 1966. When big companies like West Publishing left downtown St. Paul for the suburbs in the 1990s, membership dramatically declined. The building was sold to Minnesota's pro hockey team, the Wild, in 2000, and now hosts a restaurant dedicated to the legendary coach of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, Herb Brooks. The St. Paul Athletic Club started with a gym and a reading room in 1884. But in 1914, they began raising funds to construct a 13-story Beaux-Arts building designed by Alan Stem, who, with partner Charles Reed, was the architect behind Grand Central Terminal in New York. The grand opening, which took place in 1918, dazzled visitors with its magnificent lobby containing a grand fireplace and balconies lined with terracotta railings. The athletic club admitted its first woman member in 1970, and soon after that, its first African-American. The club invested in an extension in 1980 with racquetball courts and a second gym. But with a new low-cost YMCA opening up downtown in 1985, the debt this expansion brought on might have been a fatal mistake. The elimination of client entertainment tax deductions, my father refers to, was part of the 1986 Tax Reform Act. The law reduced the deductibility of business meals from 100 to 80%, and eliminated completely the deductibility of so-called 
quiet business meals, goodwill whining and dining of business associates where no actual business is discussed. Despite several efforts to save the St. Paul Athletic Club, including by my dad, who briefly became president, the club closed in 1991. Local developer John Rupp bought the building in 1995 and leased the sports facilities to Lifetime Fitness while converting the top floors to a boutique hotel. After a disagreement with the management of Lifetime Fitness, in 2013, Rupp tried to revive the St. Paul Athletic Club with a more upscale environment. But eight years later, it once again closed. Today, the athletic facilities are empty, while the ballroom and kitchen remain available for weddings and special events. If you want to join my club, please visit pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. The interview was edited this week by... Sadie Levin. Many thanks to her and to my dad for sharing his stories. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.